Welcome to another episode of Mike's Money Picks. Today on the podcast, we are continuing our all 32 NFL team previews with the Washington Commanders, which is coincidentally my wife's favorite NFL team. So this is a team I actually know a little more about than I should because unfortunately they end up on my TV a little bit more than they should. Um, and I'm really hoping that my new daughter doesn't end up um, picking the Washington Commanders as her team so that she doesn't have to be subjected to that suffering also. But anyway, that's beside the point. We are rounding up the NFC East with the Washington Commanders. We're going to talk about what you can expect from the Commanders offense for the 2023 season. We're going to look at what they did in 2022. We are going to predict and project and rank where all of the Commanders skill players are going to be in redraft, dynasty, and best ball fantasy leagues here on this episode. Now, if you are listening to this podcast in audio form, please rate and review uh, whether you're listening on Spotify, Apple, or wherever you get your podcast. If you're watching on YouTube, please hit the subscribe button. Please hit the like button. It shows me a lot of support. It really helps me out more than you could ever know. Uh, it helps the videos get noticed, um, and, and I just really do appreciate it when you guys do that. It helps me grow my community here at Mike's Money Picks. Now, we're going to talk a little best ball on here. You're not familiar with Best Ball or you want to give Best Ball a try, I recommend doing it on Underdog Fantasy. You can use my promo code MCONLY88 to get your first deposit matched up to $100. And you can also find that code pinned to my Twitter at Mike's Money Picks if you just want to copy and paste it. Uh, and then lastly, if you want to see my full ranks for all 32 NFL teams for every position and my draft guide with write-ups on every player that is going to be draftable in redraft fantasy football leagues, head on over to my Patreon, patreon.com slash Mike's Money Picks. It's $3 a month. You can just simply download the files you need and then unsubscribe and, and you know you get everything you need for that three dollars so it's a lot more efficient than buying a magazine or subscribing to a lot of other premium fantasy football sites so i do recommend that all right enough with the introduction so let's go ahead and start talking about the washington commanders but first a quick word from our friends at spotify All right, so before we can talk about what we can expect for the Commanders in 2023, let's talk about what they did in 2022. So under head coach Ron Rivera, this was not exactly a great offense. They kind of had a lot of quarterback issues in 2022. And so the Commanders ranked 20th in the NFL in total yards and 24th in the NFL in total points. And they had one of the worst turnover differentials in the NFL. Um it's not really surprising when you consider that Carson Wentz was their quarterback for most of the season. Um, they also ranked fourth in total offensive plays, so they had a lot of volume on their offense. Like There was a lot of opportunities for success. They just weren't actually that successful, right? Um, also, they were 11th in the NFL in rush rate. They were a run-heavy team, which, like I said, given their uncertainties at quarterback, doesn't shock me that they ran the ball a whole lot. I wouldn't let Carson Wentz throw it 50 times a game either. Um, and so conversely, if they were 11th in the NFL in rush rate, that means that they were 22nd in the NFL in pass rate. Now, like I said, they did have quarterback issues. They started three different quarterbacks in 2022, Carson Wentz, Taylor Heineke, and Sam Howell. More on that situation here in just a second. So a lot of people are getting real excited about the new look Washington Commanders offense because in the offseason, they hired Eric Bieniemy from the Kansas City Chiefs to be their new offensive coordinator from the 2023 season. Bieniemy has been the offensive coordinator for Kansas City since 2018. Now, a lot of different people have assessed different levels of credit to that Kansas City offense, right? Is it 
great because of Mahomes? Is it great because of Andy Reid? Is it great because of Eric Bieniemy? Like, there's a lot of people that kind of just kind of shuffle Eric Bieniemy out of that. But whether Eric Bieniemy was the cause of success for the Kansas City offense, there's no doubt that he learned a lot on how to run an offense and how to be a good NFL offensive coordinator in his time in Kansas City. And I think that he's going to do a good job with this commander's offense. I do think that you're going to see improvement. I think Bieniemy is the real deal. I really do. Now, what we know about this Reed B enemy offense that we've seen in Kansas City for the last five years. So quarterback play notwithstanding, because last time I checked, the commanders do not have Patrick Mahomes. With the play calling that they kind of utilize in the Reed and B enemy system, they have a shorter than average passing game that, that doesn't really take a whole lot of deep shots down the field. But when they do, they're very calculated. They tend to be open. They tend to be big plays when they do, but they don't take them very often. They kind of throw short to open up the long ball. And we also know that this offense has a major utilization of the tight end position and the running back in the passing game. Think Travis Kelsey in Kansas City. Think the use of Jarek McKinnon and Damian Williams and you know Kareem Hunt and just all these guys in the last five years that caught a lot of passes out of the backfield in Kansas City. That is pretty much one thing that's a staple of their offense. And so you're going to see a little bit more target shares towards the tight end and towards the running back if Biennemi does replicate the same system that he had in Kansas City. Now, how does that apply to the quarterbacks? Well, here's what we know about the Commanders' current quarterback situation. Sam Howell projects to be the Washington Commanders' starter for the 2023 season. Now, what we know about Sam Howell is that he was a really good quarterback at North Carolina. He was really highly recruited out of high school, really good at North Carolina, started as a freshman, had three really productive seasons. His draft stock was really high after his sophomore season, and he lost a lot of his receiving weapons after that year and wasn't really the same his junior year. His junior year, he did showcase a lot of mobility that I didn't think he had in his previous few years, um, but he was a really productive quarterback coming out of Carolina that was maybe a little bit undersized, maybe a little bit not you know, your typical pro style quarterback. Also, strange diet. Like if you've seen his story on ESPN, he apparently only eats chicken, but I, I don't care what my quarterback eats when I draft him in fantasy football. But anyway, he's made one NFL start so far. It was week 18 against the Dallas Cowboys last year. He scored 19.6 fantasy points in that game. That's not too shabby. Now, last year, all commanders quarterbacks, looking at all 18 games, they averaged 15.6 fantasy points per game last season, which if you extrapolated that into one quarterback last year, that would have ranked quarterback 21 in all fantasy football, which is not as bad as I thought it was going to be, if I'm being totally honest. Now, if you look at the commander's quarterbacks as a whole, they made for solid streaming options or solid DFS options because they had six top 10 weekly finishes last season, two of which were top five, one of which was Sam Howell's in week 18. Um, and then also they did not leave Sam Howell to be like the only potential play at quarterback this year. They did get rid of Carson Wentz. They did get rid of Taylor Heineke, but Jacoby Brissett coming over for Cleveland is the current backup quarterback. Now, he didn't put up massive fantasy numbers in Cleveland last year um, when Deshaun Watson was suspended, but we do know he's a competent backup quarterback who can come in and, you know, kind of just play the game and, and make the offense, you know, competent um, if Sam Howell were to be benched or if Sam Howell were to get hurt. So here's what we think about the commander's quarterback situation heading into 2023. Sam Howell right now is essentially free in drafts, in redraft leagues. And in best ball, you can get him in like the last two rounds. Um, 
in Dynasty, I don't think anybody's you know really rushing to beat you to Sam Howell because there's a lot of other rookie quarterbacks that have a lot more draft capital invest them. So Sam Howell's essentially free in drafts right now. And to me, he comes with a little bit of upside because he does have that rushing ability. He did run for a touchdown in that game against Dallas. He did showcase his mobility at North Carolina. And he's also got a really good offensive play caller in Eric Bieniemy. So I think Sam Howell, in terms of quarterbacks that like you're looking at a late round dart throw or like maybe a QB two in a deep league, maybe a QB three in a best ball league. I think he's got a lot of upside. He's currently my quarterback 25 heading into the 2023 season, which sounds really low, but quarterbacks are really crowded position. And once you really start ranking, it becomes tough to really rank him higher than that. But I think that he's a guy that if you leave your draft with him, like as a backup or, you know, in a dynasty league or as like a third quarterback in like a best ball situation, I, I think you can be pretty satisfied with that because I do think he comes with a little bit of upside. All right, so enough about the quarterbacks. Let's go ahead and flip on over and talk about running backs. So the Commanders were one of the biggest running back by committee teams in the NFL last season. Antonio Gibson was their highest scoring running back, and he finished his running back 28 last season. Brian Robinson Jr. finished his running back 43 overall and running back 36 in fantasy points per game. If you do not remember from last year, Brian Robinson Jr. was actually shot right before week one and came back. I believe week five was his first game. So that is why he does rank higher in fantasy points per game than overall because he did miss those first four games. Now, J.D. McKissick was the pass-catching back that they used last season. They really utilized Gibson and Robinson in the run game, specifically Robinson once he came back. But J.D. McKissick was the third down guy, really utilized in passing situations, two-minute drills, you know, that kind of thing. Um, And he is no longer on the commander's roster. Um, And J.D. McKissick, what's notable about him is that he was targeted 40 total times in eight games last season. That's five targets a game. So what you're looking at is, and this is going to be kind of a recurring theme talking about the running backs. If we could get production centered around Gibson and Robinson, then I, I do think there's really a lane for production for those two guys. 40 targets in eight games from J.D. McKissick. If you were to redistribute those 40 targets and say give 35 of them to Gibson and five of them to Brian Robinson, um, that could definitely change their fantasy outlook setting into next season. Now, in terms of their weekly finishes, the commanders were running back by committee um, not only – in a season-long basis with their utilization of three backs, but week to week, they kind of utilized a committee in-game. Like, it wasn't a situation where, all right, Gibson, here's your week, Robinson, here's your week. Like, no, like, they were utilized together in games a lot. And so Gibson totaled six weekly top 20 finishes, but zero of those were were top 10 weekly finishes. So he never really hit a ceiling game. He never really gave you, um, you know, if you're playing DFS, he never really gave you a big time ceiling DFS week. Brian Robinson totaled three weekly top 20 finishes, which is obviously less than Gibson. But Robinson did give you one ceiling week, though. He did have one top five weekly finish. And then J.D. McKissick had one top 20 weekly finish. So all in all, the commanders had four weeks where two backs finished in the top 30. But like I said, they were playing these three backs together quite a lot. So if that three back rotation goes down to a two back rotation, you're looking at a lot more work for Gibson and Robinson. And I think there's a lot more of a window of production for Gibson and Robinson. So the bottom line heading into next season for this commander's run game is that I really do think if you think that this commander's offense takes off with Eric Bieniemy as the offensive coordinator, which I think that they're going to be better. I don't know if they're going to necessarily instantly be a top five or top 10 offense, but I think they're going to be better than they were last season. Then there is enough work to go around for two running backs 
that could give them sustainability and make them fantasy relevant if they're only playing those two running backs. So heading into next season, Brian Robinson Jr. is going to be my running back 32. Antonio Gibson is my running back 34. Now, if you're playing best ball, personally, I would probably actually take Antonio Gibson ahead of Brian Robinson Jr. in best ball situations because, like we mentioned earlier, J.D. McKissick was targeted 40 times last season. If Gibson is the beneficiary of most of those 40 targets, that puts Gibson in the 90-ish targets range over the course of an entire NFL season. And so that's kind of the area you're talking about like with the Saquon Barclays of the world, not quite in the McCaffrey-Eckhart category, but you're looking at a very productive pass catching back if he gets the 90 targets. And so I do think for best ball scenarios, I think Gibson does give you a better chance to you know hit ceiling weeks and rack up targets and rack up receptions, which could help him, you know, long term. However, in the grand scheme of things for redraft leagues, I do have Robinson a little bit higher because I do project Robinson to have a bigger snap share. I do project Robinson to have a bigger carry share. I really think that you can see, you are going to see a more explosive, more athletic Brian Robinson Jr. this year because, you know, he's not getting shot right before week one this year. You know, I don't mean to make a joke about it, but like, it's kind of true. Like, I don't think he was necessarily the same athlete um, when he returned last season that he would have been if he had not gotten shot right before week one. And so um, I do think you're going to see a better Brian Robinson. I do think he's going to see more of the snap share and the carry share. Um, but Gibson with his passing volume gives me a lot of hope for his path to production as well. All right, enough with the running backs. Let's go ahead and talk about some wide receivers. So the commander's wide receiver one in 2022 was Terry McLaurin who actually set a career high in total fantasy points. It was his best overall fantasy finish. He was wide receiver 14 um, at the end of the last season in 2022. But believe it or not, it was actually not his most productive season in a per-game basis. It was his third best season in fantasy points per game. It was actually his third best season in total targets. So Terry McLaurin, over the course of his four NFL seasons, is a very consistent fantasy option. He's never finished a season above 15 fantasy points per game or below 12.5 fantasy points per game, which have all resulted in fantasy points per game finishes in between wide receiver 20 and wide receiver 30. He's never finished better than wide receiver 20 in fantasy points per game. He's never finished worse than wide receiver 30 in fantasy points per game. So what you're looking at with McLaurin is season-long range of outcomes. His floor is really, really high. Now, again, if you think that this offense takes off a little bit just with Eric Bieniemy coming in with, you know, kind of a new offensive play caller, new offensive mind, then obviously his ceiling's a lot higher than wide receiver 20. But right now, I think his floor is in that wide receiver 20 to 30 range, and that's where he's being drafted at. So I think McLaurin is one of my more favorite guys to draft in the range that he's in because he's being drafted closer to his floor than to his fantasy ceiling. Now, on a week-to-week basis, though, McLaurin actually kind of didn't have as big a range of weekly outcomes as you would think. He had seven weekly finishes outside the top 30, which is not great for a top wide receiver, but he did have six weekly finishes in the top 20, but none of which were in the top five. So McLaurin didn't really have any big time spike weeks where he had these massive games, and he had seven kind of dud weeks 
So it's kind of an interesting profile when you look at it. There truly wasn't a whole lot of guys that were like him. But I do think the season-long range of outcomes for McLaurin, you're looking at a really high floor because the guy's going to get a lot of targets, um, and the guy is going to be the primary focal point of this passing game. Now, in terms of other receivers that the Commanders had last year, Curtis Samuel finished last season as wide receiver 33, and he was playing almost exclusively out of the slot, and he got 93 targets from that slot position last season. For context, Terry McLaurin earned 120 targets um, playing mostly out wide. So uh, Curtis Samuel, not as far behind Terry McLaurin in targets as you would expect, but he was pretty far behind in terms of actual production. Now, Samuel actually really came out of the gates hot in 2022. He only had four weekly finishes inside the top 20 all season, but two of those four came in week one and week two. So Curtis Samuel, really, really good at the start of the season last year, really faded down the stretch though, and the season is wide receiver 33. Now, Jahan Dotson finished the season as wide receiver 38 in fantasy points per game. He only played 12 games. He did miss five games in the middle of the year. Now, Jahan Dotson to me represents a guy that has a lot of upside. He was the commander's deep shot guy last year. And Dotson had the 14th highest average depth of target in the league at 13 and a half yards, which is, that's saying quite a lot because there's a lot of guys that qualify for that stat that are just, you know, like your one-off deep ball guys, like a Marquise Goodwin or somebody like that. And so for Jahan Dotson to come in 14th in that stat, that's pretty good. Jahan Dotson also gave you a few ceiling weeks. He had three finishes inside the weekly top 20. Now, what I really like about Jahan Dotson heading into, um, the 2023 season is that he was really productive at the end of the season last year. He was actually wide receiver 12 over the last four weeks of 2022. So a guy that really finished the strong, a guy that is a receiver who earns deep targets and is was a rookie last year, really talented, and is heading into his sophomore year. I think a lot of things are trending upward for Jahan Dotson. So the bottom line for the wide receiver position for the commanders is that Terry McLaurin remains a high floor target, really a higher floor than most of the wide receivers that are being drafted around him, in my opinion. Curtis Samuel is probably going to be on waivers in your season-long league, um, and he, to me, is a good streaming option because he's a guy that you know is going to be on the field, you know is going to see a little bit of work, uh, and if he just happens to catch six balls for 60 yards, and that's a fine streaming option for you, right? Um, Jahan Dotson, though, is the guy that I really want to talk more about. He's really talented. He's got a lot of upside. And if he really takes a jump from his rookie year to his sophomore year, which he can, because the rookies do not generally have that good of a goal of it in fantasy. And so I really do think that he could take a jump in his sophomore year. And you could see a breakthrough season for Jahan Dotson this year. So in my rankings, Terry McLaurin comes in as my wide receiver 22. Dotson is my wide receiver 41. And Samuel is my wide receiver 57. Good news with the Commanders is that they pretty much exclusively play these three wide receivers. There's not a whole lot of other guys that you really need to look into unless something were to happen to one of these first three guys. All right, that does it for the wide receiver position, so let's talk some tight ends. So the Commanders... Logan Thomas was their primary tight end in 2022. He has been for the last four seasons, and he finished his tight end 32 in the 2022 season. Now, in that season, he did total four weekly top 10 finishes, or I'm sorry, four weekly top 15 finishes. Yeah, that was it was not that good. Um, but 
I don't know. I, I kind of have a little bit of hope for Logan Thomas this year. So last season in total, the Commanders did target tight ends a total of 98 times, which are 22nd in the league. Um, Thomas, though, he actually ranked better than he finished. So Thomas was 21st among tight ends with 61 targets, and he was 20th among all tight ends in both snap share and target share. So you're looking at a guy who based off of how much he was on the field and how much he was thrown to, should have finished around tight end 20, but he actually finished his tight end 32. Why? Well, he only caught one touchdown. And if you want to be a good finishing fancy tight end, you got to catch some touchdowns. And that one just ain't going to cut it. However, what like we did talk about earlier, Eric Bieniemy is coming over from Kansas City to be the new offensive coordinator here in Washington. What did Kansas City do a lot? Threw their tight ends a lot. Threw Travis Kelsey a lot. They used Travis Kelsey as a mismatch in both man and zone coverage. Well, can Logan Thomas be that guy? Well, I kind of think that, I'm not saying that he is going to be that guy, but I'm saying that there's a chance. And so Logan Thomas is one of my favorite dart throw tight ends in fantasy football. What I mean by that is he is another guy, kind of like I was talking about with Sam Howell, that he is free in drafts, especially if you're playing on best ball. You can get this guy in the last round. And he has upside to finish among the top five or top 10 fantasy tight ends. He had a tight end five finish in 2020. That's only two years, two full seasons ago. And he can return to that tight end five upside if Eric Bieniemy does decide to use him in the Travis Kelsey role in this new look Washington Commanders offense. And like I said, he's free in drafts. How many guys can you get at the end of a draft who have previously finished in the top five at their position and have a path with a role in their offense to finish at the top five at their position. There's not a whole lot of that. And in the tight end position, it's been so weak in fantasy football lately that I see it as being really possible because when you really sit down and start like looking rankings, like Dallas Goddard's my tight end seven. After Dallas Goddard, there's Evan Ingram at eight, and it really gets kind of ugly after that. Like you're telling me that my tight end nine, David Njoku, does he have a better chance at finishing in the top five tight ends than, than Logan Thomas does? I, I mean, yeah, but I, I think the path is similar, right? Like both guys are going to need an increased role. Both guys are going to need more work than they had last year. Like I kind of just think that Logan Thomas, he's got as much upside as any tight end that you can draft after about the first 10 to 15, and he is free in drafts. Now, granted, the range of outcomes is pretty wide. The, the floor is pretty deep. The floor is last season where he was tight end 32. But that ceiling, if he can really latch onto that role as being this offense's Travis Kelsey, he can give you that top five season. So Logan Thomas comes in as my tight end 27. Like I said, he is free in drafts. I would not mind spending a last round pick on Logan Thomas. Now, before we go, that wraps up the Washington Commanders 2023 fantasy football team preview. So if you're watching on YouTube, please hit that subscribe button. Please hit the like button if you like what you saw. If you're listening to the podcast on Spotify, Apple, or wherever else, please rate and review. It really helps me out a lot. And if you heard me talking about best ball, you want to get on the best ball action, use promo code mconley 88 on underdog. You'll get your first deposit matched up to $100. And if you want to see my full ranks and my full draft guide with write-ups on all of the players, head on over to my Patreon, patreon.com slash Mike's Money Picks. All right. 
that does it for this episode, guys. That finishes up the NFC East as well. So next up is going to be the Cincinnati Bengals. If you are interested in more content that is not fantasy football, we're going to be talking about both golf tournaments this week, the Scottish Open and the Barbasol Championship. Uh, and then we're going to be back with a lot more season-long fantasy football content, talking, um, continuing with the team previews, and then talking about specific positions by positions as well. So make sure you're subscribed. You'll be notified when all those episodes drop. Hopefully I was able to give you guys something here on this episode that will help you win your fantasy leagues this season, whether it be Dynasty, Redraft, or Best Ball. Thank you guys for watching or listening, and I'll see you next time.